Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Like we talked about last week, it's an opportunity for us to um, go back to a familiar text. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 starts off by saying, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, not seen. And we've come back to this famous verse so that we can be reminded that as we grow in our faith as believers, we keep coming back to the biblical definition of what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen or, uh, or attained, attained or held onto. But faith is when you and I put our trust and faith in something that we have not yet realized. Can I hear an amen? Paul gives a definition of this type of concept of faith, and he calls it hope. And hope is the thing that is something that also is not yet attained. But hope is something that we aspire for. Hope is something that we look forward to. Hope is something that we set our eyes upon so that we continue to be pulled forward in life or in our faith. When someone gives their life to Jesus, we now set our sights on a hope that is greater than what we currently now have. When we take spiritual inventory or assessments of our life, I think it's very safe to say that that all of us still have things that we aspire to do. Ways that we aspire to grow. Well, when someone gives their life to Jesus, that means they've received their salvation. Amen? And salvation is, is what, what God wants to bring and give to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, through this process of reconciliation. And reconciliation is when, when one is reunited with another party. When, when one is reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, that is when the process of restoration takes place. It's in the journey of faith, it's in the, the journey of salvation that we all can continue to grow as believers. It's been said, when somebody gives their life to Jesus, the race has not yet ended, the race has only begun, just like a track athlete. When the gun goes off for the runner, it's the beginning of the race. And in the same way, when the gun goes off, it means that salvation has come to your heart. Salvation has come to your life. Salvation has come to your home. Salvation has come to your land. And that is when we begin the journey with Jesus. Amen? So verse 1 of chapter 11 of Hebrews says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And, and so today what we want to do is we want to take a good look at the life and the person or the father of faith, which is Abraham. So in the same chapter, let's begin um, reading in verse 8. Let's pick up there in verse 8. Last week we preached on the faith of Noah. Amen. And now we're going to continue on in this hall of faith sequence 
that the author to the Hebrews has given to us. And you can track right along through the book of Hebrews in, in chapter 11 and see many other characters, men and, and women in the faith that represent so much to us. And here we are, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. It's, it's awesome how, how Pastor Eric was talking about uh, the generations, the generations of salvation. And here we're talking about the beginning of the generations of faith and the inheritance and the promise that God has given, which was passed down to a people. And later on, it takes on a different kind of generational faith through Jesus Christ, and that is through grace. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man and he as, a, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Pause there for a moment. What the author is saying and what I'd like to expand upon is that in Abraham's life, when he died and passed on from this earth and entered into the, his new country, his heavenly country, which was with Father God, he died still hoping, still pursuing, still living in, and still allowing the promises of God to be passed on to the next generation. In other words, the hope that God placed in Abram's heart were still being lived out and still developing. Because a hope is something that is not yet attained. If you attain something, if you receive something, if you go and get something, it's no longer a hope anymore, is it? What is it? It's a reality. It is something that you have achieved or you have attained or you have grabbed hold of, or you have taken hold of. But the Bible, through faith, calls us to press on and to continue to build and reach the next generation where the promises of God can be realized. So sometimes when God gives you a promise, you may not see that promise. Sometimes when God gives you a hope or a dream, you may not realize that hope and dream, but it may be your responsibility to bring what God is doing in your life to the next generation so that they might receive and continue to pass it on. Are we making sense, church? I love the word of God, how it unfolds these things for us. Verse 13, part B. They did not receive these things promised. Look, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. 
If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. We'll pause there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, for the reading and receiving of your word. Father, we know that salvation comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would bring salvation to every heart that is here today. Father, that you would bring salvation, Lord God, and hope to every person, Lord Jesus, that is receiving your word by faith today. Now, Lord, open our minds, open our hearts, and open our spiritual eyes that we would receive beautiful things through your word. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's people said, God's people said, amen. Give God a hand of praise this morning, Mission Ebenezer. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Today I'd like to talk about four things. Number one, the promise. Number two, the purpose. Number three, the places. And number four, the plan. I believe that the hope that the author to the Hebrews was talking about here in Hebrews chapter 11 when he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, is the things that was fleshed out in the life and the journey of faith that Abraham undertook. When God chose Abraham, not because he deserved it, not because he earned it, not because he did anything special, but just because God is sovereign and chose a Bedouin. He chose a nomad, a man wandering in the desert from Ur of the Chaldees, a simple man, to begin the process of establishing a covenant with the people that God would call his own. Last week in our study of Noah, we read about the broken promises that mankind had in the disobedience the corruption, the violence, the chaos that had fallen, that had befallen humanity, which had caused God to say, I'm going to utterly destroy everyone and everything on the face of the earth. But then he saw that there was one man named Noah who God could establish his new promise with. And God saved Noah and his family God told Noah to build an ark, and he did. And God saved Noah and his family through the ark. And we like to see that the ark is Jesus Christ, amen? And through that salvation, the Lord established a new promise, and he gave him the sign of the rainbow. The rainbow symbolizes peace and love from God towards humanity, towards his his own children. It's It's a sign and a symbol of God's plan of redemption and love for his own creation. 
And in the process of seeing this ten generations later, we see Abraham. Ten generations from Noah. Where God says, I am now going to establish my covenant through Noah as the first seed. So let's begin by looking at this thing that we call the promise. The promise. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, we read about the inheritance that God promised to Abraham. That he would be the father of many nations. And that a son from his own body would become the heir of this seed of faith. This covenant that God was establishing with his people that he made this promise with. We read of a land that God brought Abraham to out of what is present day Iraq. He brought him into a place and he says, and this is the land that I will give you and your inheritance. I would give you and your heirs, you and your generations. Church, turn with me to Genesis chapter 12 as we take a closer look into the promise that God made to Abraham. He promised him an heir. He promised him land. And he promised him a people. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And the Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country. And that's what the author to the Hebrews was talking about. Not looking to the things of this earth, but casting our eyes on a greater place. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and peoples, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him, his nephew. Abraham was 75 at the time. Skip to verse 5. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all their possessions that they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And there's it goes on about the promised land that would one day be belong to the children of Israel. And that doesn't happen, you guys, until hundreds of years later. Until God delivers the Israelites from Egypt and Moses brings them into that promised land. Generations upon generations upon generations upon generations. But in the meantime... Abraham and his descendants and those that were, were a part of this covenant and this promise had to be as nomads traveling throughout a, the earth without a place to call their own until they crossed over the Jordan River and into the promised land. This, this land that God had promised Abraham many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. You see, sometimes the promise that God has given to you is not appointed for today. Sometimes the, the promise will be fulfilled at a later day to the next generation or to the generation after them. And that is why God calls us to faithfulness. That's why God calls us to keep building our faith and growing in our faith and holding on to Jesus when Jesus is the only thing that you have left to hold on to. 
Because if you short circuit God's plan for your life, then the generation that was meant to fulfill the promise that God has for you cannot be fulfilled or experienced or attained. And, and, and we don't want to be the broken link in the chain of blessing that God promised to Abraham when he says, and I will bless you. I'll make you into a great nation. What a promise. A nation after his own name. That's what often would happen back then is somebody who became a prominent person or somebody who had become rich or who had great possessions. They would name a territory or a land after that person because of the blessing that was on them. Well, God promised to, to make a great nation, a whole people after Abraham. In other words, we are... We are um, we have the, the blessing and the name of Abraham over us by faith. We are heirs of Abraham. Someone say by faith. We're the seed of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so were you. So let's go marching on. What is it? Right foot or right arm? Ah, you get the point. If you don't know the songs, because we used to learn those songs in, in children's church. We're talking about Father Abraham. You and I are in what we call transit. We're en route. You know, the greatest things to aspire for in this world is not to own a home. The greatest things to aspire for in this world is not to own a car, although those things are good. God wants you to be blessed, and God wants you to have the finest things. But guess what? The greatest things we could ever aspire to are the things that are built and established on a true substance, which is God. Something that nobody could ever take from you. Something that nobody could ever take from me. They could take your home. There's... Millions of refugees in Ukraine whose homes have now just been eliminated, completely, utterly destroyed. But nobody could take the faith of a believer, the faith of somebody who puts their trust in Jesus and has their eyes set on a heavenly country, which is with our God. And that's what this idea of restoration or reconciliation is all about. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13 and 16 speak of that hope. Look, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Somebody say promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Wow. Do you have the spiritual fortitude and strength to trust God, even though right now the things that God has promised to you have not yet happened or taken place? Do you have the, the strength to believe that God is going to reach your children with, with salvation and they're going to come to a saving knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ, although right now it looks like they are so far from God there is no way that, they, that, that it could ever take place? 
Do you have a hope? Do you have a, a, do you have a belief? Do you have a trust that God can rectify the situation that we are facing here in the United States of America where we've been so divided? Where people in the church and outside of the church have been pitted against one another by the enemy to create confusion and division and destruction and death? God is calling us to focus on the promise that he placed in you, the promises that you've dreamt about, the promises that you've seen. Do not lose hope in the promise that God has given to you. Just like Abraham had to make sure that he focused on the promise that God gave to him here in Genesis chapter 12. Somebody say the promise. The second thing is the purpose. The purpose is all about reconciliation between God and man through faith. That's the purpose. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. God came to Abraham because of the promise that he would have an heir of his own, a child of his own, from his own loins, from his own body, scientifically, biologically. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, look what it says. And Abraham believed the Lord. Actually, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But what I want to focus on right here in, in this idea of purpose, you guys, is what is it all about? What is your faith all about? Is it just about the, a promise? Our faith is about salvation. The purpose of it all is salvation. That you would be reconciled to God. That you would receive eternal life. That you would receive the kingdom of God by faith and by the spirit of Christ. Your life will be changed and turned upside down. And we would be living in such a way that we would reflect Jesus in everything that we do. And to everybody that we interact with and that we come across in this world. And that we would be a part of the redemption plan to reconcile others to God as well. It's what Pastor Eric was alluding to today when he read the passage and he talked about, man, if you found a good ice cream shop, you're going to tell everybody about the ice cream shop. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can't keep what is good to yourself. You have to bless. You got to give. We got to share. And that is the Great Commission. That's part of our obedience as believers is walking in the newness, walking in the transformation of Jesus Christ, knowing that he wants to use you even as you are, as he builds you up from the bottom up. Last week we talked about substance. Somebody say substance or two weeks ago. Substance, the sub meaning below and stance, meaning how we stand substance. Well, in faith, God builds us up from the bottom up. You give your, one gives their life to Jesus and trust in Jesus. He begins to, to, to mold you and shape you into his own image. And then you begin to walk. Somebody say walk. You begin to walk with God. You begin your walk with God. Some of us don't even know how to walk with God. Some of us are still limping with God. And it's all gravy. Keep on going. Some of us walk with God and the Lord shows us and, and takes us by the hand, you guys. And as we begin to learn to walk with God, then we learn to serve God while we're in process. 
while we're on this journey, we begin to serve God. and The Lord begins to use your hands to be a part of the body of Christ and the kingdom of heaven as God is, is showing you and discipling you through his word. All the while, as your heart is being formed and fashioned after the love of God and giving you a burden for the lost, a burden for those who are wandering, right, Corey? A burden for those who know but have not yet returned. A burden for the unchurched. A burden for those who have lost faith. A burden for those that, that are a little confused. A burden for people that just said, oh, you know what? I don't even want to try anymore. God gives you a burden to reach those that he's placed in your sphere of influence. And he's given you a testimony that by the, the promise and the purpose of salvation, the urgency of the gospel to share who Jesus is and to bring people to a saving knowledge, to receive eternal life, that we would understand what it was like when God called Abram. And he said that it was credited unto Abraham as righteousness. He was justified by God because of his faith. That's the essence of this, of this purpose. The essence of the purpose is salvation. Abram received his salvation when he believed God and trusted in God. When God said, you're going to have a child, and Abraham said, yeah, but I'm too old. I'm past that. My wife, she can't have children anymore. The Bible says Abram believed. He believed God. And that's where this purpose in the faith takes place. It results in salvation. The Bible says, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things what? Become new. Praise the Lord. That's God's promise. And he's given us his purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Through this whole promise and purpose, God says, keep your eyes focused on Jesus because he is your hope. God could give you a promise, but if we take your eyes off of Jesus and we don't stay tight to Jesus, we're going to forget about the promise. When we don't see that or we think that the promises of God are not being fulfilled and when we see that we, oh, we get discouraged or life happens. Oh, we say, oh, I guess God forgot about his promise. But how many times have we learned, how many times have we seen in Scripture that the men and women of God often reminded God about the promises that he made to them? You guys, we can remind God about the promises that he gave to us. And God wants to remind us about the purpose that he has for our lives. A purpose to give us salvation. A, 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 an opportunity to be at peace with him. To keep our eyes focused on Jesus, which is our ultimate hope. That's part of the promise. Jesus is part of the purpose. Our hope. That means we go through life with glasses of hope. We see things through hope. We ask God to give us the ability to see things as God sees things, not as we see them in our 
material self, in our physical self. I don't know what's going on with these lights. We'll keep going. We're talking about hope. We're talking about God's ability to have our eyes lifted and focused on him. To not lose hope, to not lose sight of the things that God is going to do and has promised. To let go of hope is a discouraging thing. It creates doubt when we let go of hope. When we look, when we look to the winds and the storm that is to our right and to our left, the challenges and the adversity that we face, we look to our marriage with hope, we look to the mission of God with hope. We see ministry with hope and not discouragement. When you look at your career, you look at your career with hope. Our relationships saturated and bathed and baptized in the person of Jesus Christ who is hope himself. The third thing is the places. God told Abraham to go. As a matter of fact, he said, let's go. When God sends you, he doesn't send you all by yourself. God says, let's go. I'm, I'm coming with you. When one trusts in God and puts their faith in Jesus, he takes you to places you never dreamed of. And that's called the adventure of faith. The places that God will take you. I don't know the answer, but I don't know that if when Eric was growing up, Pastor Eric was growing up in the faith that God ever told him that you're going to be in Germany and you're going to live your life in Germany and you're going to be bringing the gospel to people there who in an, in a, uh, an unchurched land. No, it's part of the journey and it's part of the adventure. It's part of the trust process of walking with God. Of not knowing what God has next for you. Is that a scary thing for you or is that kind of exciting? It's kind of mixed for me. It's kind of exciting like, okay, Lord, because I have a hope in Jesus, because I know who I am, because I know whose I am, because I know what you've called me to, because I know how you made me and what you want me to do, I'm excited about the prospect of what you have in the future. And at the same time, it's kind of scary to entertain something different, something new. It's kind of scary to set out in a new relationship. Oh, God, I don't know. Is this you? Oh, I don't know. You're going to have to test it out. A new career. How about a greater commitment in your walk with Jesus? That's kind of scary. Oh, God, I've been here before. It's been years and decades since I've walked with you and trusted you. But now you're calling me to do something different, man. Look at Ab Abram was 75 when God spoke to him. 
90 when he had his first son. It's never too late to trust God. It's never too late to walk with God. It's never too late to come back home to God, to reconnect with his promises and his purpose for your life. There's a scripture in Jeremiah 29:11. Pastor Joe, maybe one of the guys can go up there and turn the light on in the top attic. It's not working. Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future." Plans not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. A hope and a future. I was with the family this past week. And I was pastoring the family through a difficult time, a loss in their family, and I was doing a funeral. And the Lord placed on my heart to remind them that Jesus makes things better. And that Jesus' plan for your life, if you've never tried it, if you've never trusted, if you've never taken that step, is the greatest thing that you could ever do. Don't just take my word for it. Look around. Test the Lord and taste and see that the Lord is good. And I reminded that family that was going through a really difficult time that daddy makes things better. I'm going to come down here. I don't know what's going on with these lights. The devil's in the lights. Praise God. I haven't been down here in a minute. That night before, Lola was taking a bath, and Mama was doing all the hard work. Thank God. Combing her hair and getting everything ready for bed. and She was crying because... A five-year-old girl that has curly hair never likes to get the, the tangles taken out of her hair. And she was crying, and I was in the other room being lazy because I was tired. And I heard Lola say, I want daddy. And she said, what do you want daddy? As if to say, what's wrong with me? And she said, daddy, make things better. And I heard it from the other room, and I jumped out of bed, and I came running to her rescue. I said, baby girl, I got you. What do you need? Up to half the kingdom. <laughs> Daddy makes things better. God makes things better. And I gave that encouraging word to that family that was hurting and going through that difficult time and said, God has a promise for your life. And God has a purpose for your life through salvation. And God has a plan for your life that is different from the plan that you think it is. You gotta trust and you gotta you gotta see and you gotta place your hope in something that you've never experienced, that you don't know what it is, but you just have to go for it and you have to go toward it and you just have to start trusting and you just have to start walking and you just gotta start believing and you just gotta start reaching out and you just have to go for it and you have to know that God has you, God's got you. God's going to get you through your situation. God knows why he allowed you to experience what you experienced. And God knows how he wants to use you to reach the next generations, 
to pass on the inheritance, the godly inheritance to your generation, to the next generation and the generation after them. And we're not just talking biological, right, Pastor Eric? The spiritual generation that we see here in Scripture. Hallelujah. Plans to use you, to bless you, to prosper you, to change you, to protect you, to save you. Through the good times and the bad, amen? You hold on to hope. And finally... We see as God gives us his promise. He gives us his purpose. He takes us to those places in our life that he's already established and set out for you. It's not just a physical destination or a location. It's a spiritual as well. He takes you to that place of growth and maturity. And then it's that plan. Trusting in the plan that he has for you. Get solid and rooted in the plan that he has for you. When we become grafted into the body of Christ and into the kingdom of heaven where God can have his way and do his work in your life. Don't lose sight of hope. Don't let go of hope. Dream and dream big. I was driving in the parking lot this morning in my vehicle and I don't know about you but Sometimes God talks to me and he, he calls me by my first name. He said, Joshua. Joshua. Do not lose sight of the hope and the dreams that I've placed in your heart and in your mind. The dreams that you've seen that I gave to you, do not lose sight of them. Do not lose hope. Church, I pray today that you are encouraged in Christ. I pray that your faith is strengthened because of the hope that we have in Jesus. Church, as I ask you to stand, I want you to Think about the promises, the purposes, the places, and the plans that God has for you. I want you to ask God to establish them firmly in your life and to show you what what they look like, like, like God did in Abraham's life, showing him his promises. And showing him his purpose, showing him his plan, and unveiling to him everything that he had for him.